Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, which is ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? It's really cold. It's not like Midwest cold, but mm-hmm. it's cold. Um, we're expecting like six inches of snow over the next two days. So that's fun. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that. My per- person and I, we did all our shopping, grocery shopping yesterday. Um, so we're ready to hunker down and basically spend this weekend watching Russian Doll episodes interspersed with episodes of One Day at a Time. It's how we're going to tackle that is like alternate them. And we're going to figure that out because we're excited about both shows very, very much. (laughs) It is a beautiful thing. It is a good thing. Uh, yeah. So did I hear you correctly that like the city shutting down for six inches of snow? No, it's not shutting down. It's, oh, okay. No, no, no. It's not shutting okay. down. I'm not in Atlanta anymore, Kate. I was just saying. Uh-huh. I was like, uh, I feel yeah. like that that you all get some snow up there sometimes. I mean, we don't get that much snow. Like six inches in two days is a lot. Um, six inches in two days. Oh, that's cute. Like I know, it's just it's just very different. It's very different infrastructures. I'm sure it'll be fine, but mm-hmm. we also don't have like a car, so we walk everywhere, um, yeah. which is not something that works. Uh, when you know there's tons of snow and ice everywhere, that's not great. You don't want to do that. And mostly, we're upset because it will likely mean that the um, local Tet Festival is going to be iced out or snowed out, which we're not excited about because we were looking forward to going to that. Yeah, that stinks. I'm sorry to hear yeah. about that. Yeah. The um the yeah, the, like the 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 lack of a car thing is huge. It makes such a difference and yeah. uh uh ha- having such a suburban experience, like either city or suburban experience, it just makes such a different snow like situation. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. If you're going from car to to apartment or house or whatever to car to, you know, like, especially if you have a garage, then it's like, it's really not that bad. But if you're walking everywhere, it's very different. Yeah, and we actually do have a very large garage that is actually larger than my person's old apartment, mm-hmm. um, is how large that garage is. Um, but all that sits in there is her scooter. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe not the scooter in six inches of snow. Probably not. I would not let her get on that. Um, how are you this week? I am well. Uh, I found out that uh, I will be making my debut as an accompanist for some of my students because I messed up a thing with uh, their solo ensemble. So, oh no! I yeah. So I will be practicing so much piano in the next few weeks so that I'm ready. Because a couple, I'm playing for three kids. A couple of them have uh, really very manageable, not too bad. I just will need some work, but it won't be too bad. And then one of them has a more significant accompaniment part. And like everybody else is already booked and I can do it. I'm just going to have to like really practice in a way I haven't practiced piano in a long time. So that's good. I believe in you. I believe in you. I can do it. <laughs> watch watch some Your Lie in April on Netflix to get your blood pumping for that good piano stuff. It's a it's an <laughs> anime about um pian- pianists. Yeah, well there you go. I think yeah. I've heard of that one. Yeah, no, it, it Yeah, it's it's very good. Most of it is like 
boom, 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 boom. But then there's like some piano solos in the middle. And I was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. we're going we to skip, skip all of those. <laughs> yeah, we can just skip those or I can hit play on this uh on this uh, <laughs> cd i have here yeah so i have to figure out how i can do this so that the so that it's great for the kids um yeah. and the parents aren't mad and the teachers in the school district aren't mad and my yeah. accompanist whose name they put down and i didn't know they needed to check with her first is not mad so like it's a whole thing so yeah. uh hopefully everybody will not be mad at me and it'll sound great and it'll be fun and i will get extra practice and learn how to play the accompaniment part for a concerto that i had never heard of a couple months ago so that's fun i can do it and next week i'm playing a bunch of disney music so i was practicing aladdin for like an hour this morning just like all these really fast like scales right. yeah, yeah. Lots of that kind of a thing. Yeah. So, it's good times. I'd like somebody walked in and I'm just like blasting on friend like me. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Just like melody, melody, nothing, nothing. Ridiculous scale. Melody, melody, nothing. Ridiculous scale. Ridiculous scale. Stop. Drill it again. Drill it again. Yeah, it was a unusual listening experience. Because normally when I'm doing that, people aren't familiar with like what I'm playing. Because it's like right. these really small excerpts of much larger works intended to be heard yeah. with full but then when you just go into a whole new whole new world everybody knows that one so right just, yeah yeah so that's been that's been my week this week so it's been it's been fun it's it's it could be much worse let's just put it that way yeah it could be yeah i mean you could be living in a wall for eight months i could i could be doing many things but you know what i won't be doing uh, the next time live musicals roll around on TV, I won't be watching Hair because, guys, get ready to groan. Hair Live has been pulled. See what I did there? I do. Pulling, pulling hair. I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 Um, the main reaction, there's been a lot of news out of TCAs. Most of it is not that interesting to me. Or, like, it will be, but, like, right now it's like, oh, okay, whatever. Um, yeah. John Langreff did his FX thing. You know, there's there's plenty of stuff that you guys can go look out check out and, and look for online if you're interested the, the one that stood out to me was when was it like fox or i think it was nbc was like yeah we're not gonna do hair that was a terrible idea it was a terrible terrible idea i'm glad they caught up with that and realized it was a terrible idea before they did it yeah um i think it's nbc and mm-hmm. yeah i don't know why they thought this was a good idea but now that just means that they can do music man and i will be happy <gasps> i would be so happy Right? Exactly. They need the someone needs to do Music Man. It's a great show. And I, it's a great I don't know show. why I don't know why someone hasn't done it yet because it's perfect. Yeah. I think it's because it feels kind of old fashioned, but it is such a like it's one of the all time great shows. It's so it well is. written. It's just yeah. gorgeous music and when it's well done, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, the other thing I enjoyed this week was not watching the Super Bowl. Uh was that Or the State of the Union. Or the State of the Union. I did watch Stacey Abrams' yeah. speech, uh, but I didn't yeah. watch any of that. And it was I was just like, Twitter is, has no relevance to me right now. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't allowed to put it on. So I watched a bunch of clips from late night shows. <laughs> um, and that's how I digested that. Yeah. And that was, that was a good way to digest it. Plus that picture of Pelosi doing a sarcastic clap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the different reaction memes were pretty great. Uh, I've been yeah. enjoying those. Uh, AOC rocking a cape. I was like, oh, yes. That yeah. was the right fashion choice. Well done. <laughs> it's been super fun to watch um, a more media savvy and fashion savvy set of Congress people work. Uh-huh. 
And it's been really, yeah. I mean, there's also more people commenting on this and, and discussing it in popular culture, like on Twitter and stuff, than there have been in previous Congresses. But, yes. you know, it's not just Don and Lorenzo talking about the choices uh, of the fashion. And so it's been interesting to follow all of that. Speaking of Tom and Lorenzo, they announced their new book. It's very exciting. I can't wait to read their uh, Drag Race book that they're that they're putting out we'll be talking about drag race at the end of the show uh but we should get into our weekend tv because we we have this week we're spotlighting the abc murders which is the latest uh sarah phelps adaptation this is of course the one starring john malkovich as well um i'm sure I is he is he though is he to be continued uh yeah yeah grumble grumble oh and we have the return of a favorite segment a beloved segment uh, in our week in TV, but I'll say no more. We should get into it. Um, so let's get into our week in TV. Listening to the, what is this? Shall we do the Judy or shall we do the My Best Judy song from RuPaul's Drag Race? Um, can we can can we just do Get Happy? Which yeah, let's do that. This is they should have done. So yeah. we're gonna listen to Judy Garland sing Get <laughs> Get Happy, and we'll be right back with our week in TV. Forget your troubles, come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. The sun is shining, come on, get happy. The Lord is waiting to take your hand. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. We're going to the promised land. We're heading across the river, across your sins away in the tide. It's all so Come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah. Come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. Forget your troubles. Come on, get happy. Chase your cares away. Hallelujah. Get happy for the judgment day. That was Judy Garland singing Get Happy, and it wasn't Barbara's Adagio for Strings. More on that in a little bit. First, in our week in TV, we're going to talk about Fresh Off the Boat and Grand Mahjong. Then we have the Crazy Ex-Girlfriends, I Need a Break, I'm Sorry, Extra Boobs, RuPaul's Dra- <laughs> RuPaul Drag Race All-Stars, RuPaul's Best Judy's Race. That's a lot of words. Then we have, yes. I'm going to get a little catch up with Outlander. I finished the season, but I'm going to specifically be talking about Providence, which is the penultimate episode of of season four. Um, then Arrow had its 150th episode, Emerald Archer, to which Supernatural says, bah! And yeah. I will talk about Supernatural's 300th episode next week once I have a chance to catch up with it. Um, but we'll round things out with I Am the Night, Phenomenon of Interference. So first up is Fresh Off the Boat, which had their uh, Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year episode, Grand Mahjong. Uh, we haven't checked in with Fresh Off the Boat this season, or this year, I should say. It's calendar year. How's it been going for you? It's been going pretty well. Um, I talked about uh, Legends of the 40th last week, and that was a really strong episode. And this episode is also quite enjoyable. Um, if only for Ming-Na's return. And yeah. it's just like, yes! Yes, we didn't forget. And also, because she's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wasn't was doing a weird scheduling thing, she's free to do other projects! And it's just like, yes! Give me all of it fresh off the boat. All of it! Um, but no, this episode was really good, and I'm surprised that it took us a kind of this long to do a Jenny and Jessica sort of Sentinel-driven episode. And as 
much as it also sort of riffed on <laughs> crazy rich Asians. And I was just like, Constance Wu, you're having a showdown at a Mahjong parlor. Hmm. I've seen this ending to something else. Um, but it's still really, it's still a really good episode in that it explores their relationship in a really satisfying sort of way, even if it's done relatively quickly, but I still really like it because it also meant more Jenny, which I really always appreciate when the show gives us Jenny. Um, and then just all the stuff with the boys was also just generally really solid with the whole, like, the... The Chinese New Year version of Feats of Strength? <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, was also just really good and very funny. And so I just really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was I thought it was just generally hoot. And I liked that it also provided Emery with um a little bit of like edge to deal with of being like the middle kid and those struggles there. So overall I just thought it was a really strong episode and we don't get Chinese New Year holiday episodes, so I really appreciated that we got that here. Uh, yeah. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I really appreciated um, the Chinese New Year episode because uh, they've done that before on Fresh Off the Boat as well. And like, just as a, a, just a very white person, I it, I didn't know Chinese New Year was a thing for way too long in my life. Like, I'm sure, like I had heard of Year of the whatever, like for sure, most sure, of my sure. life, but like understanding the difference between you know the gregorian calendar new year and lunar new year and all of that stuff like that's a much more recent thing so it's just like as a terms in terms of outreach be like oh red envelopes that's a thing <laughs> and i've got I have students <laughs> who are chinese and so i was like that's a thing right they're like oh yeah oh yeah the lucky money my mom will let me have the lucky money but yeah, yeah that's a thing but yeah oh, that's very yeah. good <laughs> yeah uh but but so, so i enjoy the lunar lunar new year episodes in general but i particularly enjoy a jenny episode like you said and a jenny episode that is not centered in a particularly heightened storytelling or a, a flight of fancy don't get me wrong those are great too i'm not saying we don't like those because we do but I really appreciate getting that interaction, like you said, with, with Jessica and Jenny and really getting to, you know, like, imagine the two of them on the same team, like, the world wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, so, like, I, I appreciated um, what we were getting of their backstory and, um, you know, the 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 t- movements towards uh, t- a team up, I guess, in the Wong household. And uh, yeah, that was good. The, the tussling was fun. Uh, I continue to enjoy that whole thing. Fa- like Ming-Na obviously is fabulous, but I, I enjoy the whole family. I'm glad they brought them all back. And I hope we get yeah. more with them. I hope so too. Depending on everybody's schedules, it would be nice if we could spend a little bit more time um, with, with that family. I don't remember their, their character's names, but I just remember that I enjoy them and I'm glad that they're there. Yeah, no, it's Jimmy O. Yang and then the guy from Grimm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we should move on to our next episode, though, because this is going to be one where you're going to have to stop me from talking about it a little bit. Okay. No, because Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I Need a Break is really good. It's really, yes. really, really good. And I'm going to just take a moment to dip into Kate's Classical Corner, even though it's not classical, to talk about why I really love the music of this episode, even okay. though... I don't really care about the music in this episode. Uh, and here's why, <laughs> which is why we didn't feature going into the segment. The decision to use what is apparently a very Lily Allen inspired song 
I'm not bad, you're bad or whatever for, for Rebecca. I'm not sad, you're sad. Yeah. I'm not sad, you're sad. Thank you. Um, yeah. For me, because, and maybe this is just because I don't know Lily Allen, but it feels like such a direct draw and call on Frantopia, which is, of course, the Britpop anthem that we saw before. Yeah. And a response to that. So she's now isolated. And this, this is what happened. This is the twist on Frantopia that happens when when Rebecca is isolated and is, mm-hmm. she starts spiraling into the, these these uh, just toxic behaviors and dangerous behaviors for her. It was really suspenseful and in in intense. I kept like I was practically watching through my fingertips, <laughs> like through my through between my fingers, and um, having like because there are like the pop culture references as she's talking to that that other person like outside of the club like there were uh, for me a number of callbacks to that that made the that that musical choice particularly meaningful and impactful i thought that the the bruce springsteen song we get for new greg basically feels like new greg's i could if i wanted to and so the idea of because like this list of things over and over again and it's still like not great (laughs) but um because he's still just being stupid and a jerk but it's an interesting progression to go from this like grunge thing to springsteen and what does that say about the journey that greg has been on um and and which version is more palatable to rebecca and to the show um so there was just there was a lot of stuff i was really enjoying about the musical choices while you know, just kind of bopping along to the music, but not, I don't like, I didn't connect with the songs in a meaningful way. I also loved the, what we got, we, oh, and the other one was the, what the felt darkness. like a very broad, yeah, the darkness, which is yeah. such a Broadway number, which is a clear and direct parallel to a diagnosis, which is the other big sweeping Broadway number that Rebecca has had. And of course she's in that one, she's again, she's in all these bright colors, but she's surrounded by other people. And it also, it's, it's like a, it's like a mirror of uh, you stupid bitch. And yes. it, so like, it's just the putting these three songs at, at these different points in the, sh- the run of the show and in Rebecca's progression. Um, it's so, it's so awesome. It's so smart. <laughs> it's so compelling. Um, and, and it just really shows where she's coming from and where she's at right now. And the fact that this is a continuing journey and it's not just something that's easy and solved and that these are characters that are still growing and changing and developing. Um, So, Oh, Oh, and then the, the scoring at the end was completely different than I feel like anything we've ever, ever heard before on the show too. So to have that, like that choice really stood out to me as, as well when they're at the hospital, um, so yeah, I I really loved the performances and the writing and the direction and everything about this episode. But I just kept poor poor friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, texting me to ask me what I thought about the music for this. <laughs> and she's like, "Let me know when you finish watching it because uh, I'm curious what you think about the music." And I just I'm sure she wanted to go to bed. <laughs> I'm sure she had other words. I just kept texting her more things that I was thinking about this whole time because I just thought it like while these are not numbers i will remember is as well they don't pack as much of a punch for me the effectiveness within the episode and within the narrative for rebecca was just staggering to me like i i i won't just i won't sing the darkness by myself probably the way i would sing you stupid bitch but right 
I was a ball of tension watching this episode, and that was due to some of the like what was happening, but also just the that I'm not sad, you're sad, like scoring that like angry kind of riff that would co- pop up several times throughout the episode. Um, so I, I I really I really like this episode. No, I should stop talking now because I want to know what you thought about, <laughs> about. I need a break. Right, so I really liked this episode as well, um, and I really appreciated you drawing that line from. I can't if I wanted to to I hate everything but you because that's that's the same thought I had about it um, from like that kind of grunge to Springsteen uh, sort of approach. Both of those things I really liked, and I really appreciated that. But then it was also just one of those things where I went, yeah. But I really wish Santino Fontana was still here. Because here's the thing, is that I Hate Everything But You is a really good Greg song sung by someone who's not Greg. And it's it was getting... I understand that we've got like a new Greg sort of thing. But and he's it was very also, good, too. And he's very good. But it, because, because of there's such a heavy through line of development between these two things... I just went, yeah, Skylar Aston. This is not a song for you. This is a song for the other guy. Um, and it kept nagging at me during the entire thing because I just kept go- seeing in my head how I think Fontana would have performed that. And just going, oh, but I needed that payoff because it would have provided the same degree of payoff that... I'm not sad, you're sad, and the darkness provide Rebecca by having the same actor and everything along those lines. And I know that this is getting hung up on a technicality of like, Fontana wasn't available or just wasn't interested or whatever. Um, But it's just kind, or they just made a conscious decision that they wanted someone else. Um, But it just really kind of gnawed at me a little bit, especially after I finished the episode and was thinking about it, of like, yeah, that would have worked a lot better if he was here. I get why they did it, because they needed to, to demonstrate that he has changed a lot, but he's still at his core, sort of Greggy. Well, and um, she's also bringing out old Greg tendencies in him right, right. now, which is part of why he yes. distances himself, yes. separate, because he can see, he can identify these patterns that he right. doesn't like. Um, right. And so that's why he steps away. Right, and narratively, like, it all works, and then, like, the whole new Greg thing kind of snaps back into place, but this is really the first time I've gone, no, no, but the rest of the episode overall just works really, really well for the reasons you've already enumerated, and because of how they construct the musical aspects of it being really... developing that through line the rest of the episode's general sort of quote-unquote that you could argue heavy-handedness of by having paula basically have a two-day long heart attack um which is just gut-wrenching to watch and i was just like no you don't kill paula in episode 12 you don't kill paula at all (laughs) um you don't do that show you don't you don't make me think you're gonna do that um and so to drive home this idea of, well, no, if you need to take care of yourself, too, you need to put in this work and then ending it with making sure that we can see the path, basically, as she works on her notebook um, and doing it in fall, which is generally very transitional sort of season. Um 
It's just, it would be read heavy-handed, but because of everything Wait. else that they've constructed. It's not fall because remember they're there until the end of the season. No, no, no. the of scene of the oh, scene the, of the oh, yeah, because the yeah, because the, the wall. wall. Thank you, thank the you. Wall okay, is that fall. makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, no, the wall is fall. They're in California, so when I was like, wait, they yeah. were at a water park. Oh wait, no, no, it's it's still like January, but they're in California. But the yeah, wall is no, fall. I, don't worry. I had that same thought too because <laughs> I just went, wait, no, this is ending on Valentine's Day, but. We're so it's January and there's a ton of people at a water park. <laughs> I just went, Their life this, is not my life. <laughs> this, this does not make sense to me. And I also discovered that Raging Waters is an actual thing and not something they made up for the show, which I did mm-hmm. not know until this week. Um, <laughs> but all of this is to say that because of how they constructed everything, everything worked. And it's probably one of their best episodes of this season because of that. Even if, like you said, the songs aren't like particularly good but because of the associations that you've outlined with the other songs they're better in that sense of feeling like a collected show almost in a way that sometimes the show doesn't always hit but in this case they do when they do this kind of thing they do it really well and that continues here so i really like this episode as well and i'm going to stop talking about it now (laughs) and you can tell me if i'm just kind of being really persnickety about really wanting a Fontana back for at least one number. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's not going to happen. Um, oh. And let's be honest, it wakes, makes way more sense for Greg to look like Skylar Aston, given the age of his friend group. than Yeah, no, you this, know. that's super fair. But um, but no, I, I hear where you're coming from, though. And it's interesting to think about that. And like, I, for me, I was thinking more about, okay, so you have like a 90s grunge going back yeah. to 80s rock. Is that a progression or is that a regression and what does that say about about who like who he's presenting to um rebecca versus who he was presenting um to heather Uh for that song like it's interesting i mean that's why i'm I'm gonna be thinking about this one for a while um i also Really enjoyed. I gave you an, a UTI when they're at the water park, which yes. was, under, was the interstitial scoring, which is pretty entertaining. Um, but yeah, no, they've been on a really hot streak. Like pretty much every episode this year has been hitting out of the park. So I'm really excited to see what's going to come. Well, next. yeah, we've we, we've transitioned out of the yeah, we don't have anything to do with these extra five episodes that they gave us <laughs> period of the show. <laughs> and we're now in the you know, next stage. I was just watching it like with the thing with Paula, you said, I was just going like, uh, no, don't make her screw up so that she has to learn to take care of herself. But the way she does that is by screwing up and like something bad. Ha- like, I was so glad that they had her successful in her various court things and in her studying. Yes and all these like that it wasn't she oh now she screwed up this person's case you know because right. she didn't that that she had to be punished outside of her health you know um and and yes it was very heavy-handed to have rebecca mouthing to paula everything she wouldn't do yes but they didn't have the oh i guess i should do that too moment they let her acknowledge that herself while she was yeah you know, that's in the performance um it is yeah which i appreciate and it just it's it was a lovely episode and we get six more and i'm very happy we get six more but i'm gonna miss it when it's gone oh so good speaking of missing it when it's gone <laughs> i'm sorry is i'm sorry but they're crushing it uh extra boobs. so crushing it 
is the episode this this uh, week, and just like constantly cutting back to to the Andrew Savage character, her her doctor just giggling, looking at her arms and the breast tissue that has like migrated to her armpits, just like kind of like tittering and just being like so just chuffed by it. I, it was delightful. I've like I said last week, I've really been enjoying. I'm sorry this season. Yeah, and this episode um also it's just it's funny for that reason, but I also appreciated like the discussion of like genealogy and fa- family <laughs> history that occurs in this episode. Wait, because, Argentina? <laughs> right. So did they leave or did they Wait. flee Germany <laughs> for <laughs> Yeah, for yeah. Argentina? Because that's an important distinction to make here. Yeah, they- <laughs> establishment that was rather labor intensive in the <laughs> like yeah no it was and, and, and just being very aware of who's in the room you know yes. and how much they can say without the daughter picking up what's mm-hmm. you know what they're saying is was really entertaining and then just the solution to just like screw it we're greek why <laughs> we're just gonna lie <laughs> who yeah. cares uh was yeah. delightful and yeah. super fun um yeah they you know and i also will mention i saw uh an article an interview with Andrea Savage talking about her experiences as a showrunner and, and in the writer's room, it's everything is group written and uh, her using her decision to, to use her voice and her power as the creator star of the show to make sure that they run a show that like people leave at six and go home and Uh see their families and like, and have like, and and really taking um, great, care with her role as a leader in her staff and what uh-huh. creating the kind of in you know being very aware of her power and and the opportunities it provides so i would recommend people go seek out andrea i'm sure it has it's with tca so you can just google andrea savage interviews and, and they'll come up but um it was really cool to see um and it's also hilarious when i watch her being interviewed because it is just straight up her voice i'm sorry yeah. just is andrea savage's voice and so it's it's i gotta remember the difference between the the characters and the 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 creator because you can just hear the performance when you read her voice or when you see her she was on seth meyer's um uh, right at the start of the season as well and yeah. it was the same thing where it's just like I feel like this is a scene within the show um, yes. and it's delightful yeah yeah and I'll have to check out that interview because I did not see that but I'd be really curious to read it um, because you do get that sense of looseness among the performers that it's just like this isn't going to be a long day we're going to get this done yeah and if we're, gonna we're not we're going to get yeah we're, we're going to work gonna... real hard and we're going to get this done and yeah. we're going to go home yeah, because also like you know, I want to go home. <laughs> yeah, I want to go home, and I'm like, you guys are great and all, but I want to see my family, and I want to yeah. get some sleep, and I know that there's like just the myth that you can just keep working forever and it will get better. It's not true. It's not how yeah. people work, and yeah. uh, so it's always refreshing to see to see people acknowledge that in industries that uh, are lauded uh, for what are basically terrible work practices and. Um, traditions passed down through the history of the genre or that type of production such that you can't really unionize against it um there's not a way that you can really you know 
Um, so anyways, that's a, t- a discussion for another time. Right now, we got to talk about RuPaul's Best Judy's Race, which was their makeover challenge where everybody made over their best Judy's or the best friends and or partners. And we're going to start this with – so uh, you've given you plenty of time to skip ahead if you are behind on Drag Race. Okay, Naomi sent Manila home. I was – flabbergasted i was like oh wait i found that out and then i was like oh okay uh how do i write my recap or review because my review i can't put in the first paragraph any spoilers because right. i yeah. did that once and got called out and was like okay yeah you guys are right because it gets shared on social media and everything so i hate i have to like it's like i can either talk all about the makeovers or i can talk all about the <laughs> elimination and I can't do both because there's not enough time. And I don't even know what you say. Um, I guess hats off to Naomi because she was not going to beat Ni- uh, Manila. So, yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing is like, I don't like this elimination because Manila should have been in the top three for this period. Really? Um, I thought it was yeah. terrible. We are on different sides. We will discuss. Well, no, 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 I'm excited. No, no, here, here. Here's the thing is like, I like the elimination in the regards of finally someone's playing this game strategically. It's about goddamn time. I don't like it because Manila should be like winning this thing. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you meant this episode. Yeah. No, no, not this episode. No, oh, okay. no, no. Um, okay. Okay. No, then we're not, that, then we're on the same page. Yes. That, that runaway look was, I was frustrated with that runaway look. Um, yeah. but I was the makeup frustrated with was almost gorgeous a- though. Yeah, no, and Manila's makeup is always gorgeous. I was frustrated with most of these runaway looks, mm-hmm. but um, no, Manila needed to be in the bottom. That mm-hmm. was I that I agree with, yeah. and I like that Naomi decided to no, we're gonna play this game strategically, and RuPaul's gonna like me because I'm not eliminating Latrice. Is <laughs> what I'm assuming the mind frame was here, um, but. It was just really frustrating that just to like, I, yeah, no, I was just, I was upset that Manila went home and I was also like flabbergasted shock, but at the same time, like I said, I was glad someone was playing this strategically and everyone left on the show owes Naomi all of the drinks for all time Mm -hmm. because it's basically just like, congratulations, I made this field wide open for everyone and- (laughs) They're not going to see it that way, but <laughs> yeah, um, they should. Um, so tell me a little bit about like overall, like um, what you thought about this episode? Because generally, I thought it was a disaster <laughs> overall. But how did you feel about it? <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was a fun episode. Like, I, I'm a sucker for the makeover episodes. I always enjoy them. Yeah, and um. I think there were pros and cons to bringing in people that they knew. The pros were that they were super game and on board. Like, Patty's like, take those eyebrows, man. <laughs> like, let's do it. I'm committed. <laughs> and that's not some, the kind of thing you usually see on this show. Um, the warmth and the relief that just wait, like, just was a wave through the room when they brought in their friends was really uh, impactful and it was really powerful watching it. Just like I mentioned this in my review over at the AV club, but there's like a moment where Monique is hugging her Judy and she just like, you can see just like a slight, like the friend goes to like let go and she just holds on to like a little bit longer. Cause yeah. 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 It, and it just shows how tired 
they are and how long a grind it has been and how meaningful it is for them to all have just a little bit of respite and calm. And in a season that has been so close to, um, yeah. they've all had to really up their game. Most of them have. And, um, and, and the ones who have been outshined or outshone, which, you know, is Latrice had like the best Judy of all of them. So the stuff we were getting with Latrice and Tim was amazing. It was really, really great TV. Um, so even though Latrice should have gone home for, for this, uh, yet again, um, I am happy to have met Tim. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, it also is something where these queens, We've seen, like, obviously, Latrice is getting married. When they were filmed this, like, like his wedding to Christopher was not long off. Um, Manila is married, and some of these other people have talked about that. They've talked about it on the show. But usually, we don't actually see any physical affection or romantic couples on the show because of how yeah. it works. That's not how the show yeah. works. Um, so it was actually just really amazing to see uh, Manila smooch her, smooch her husband at the end of the runway. It was just really lovely. And this clearly some like, you could tell watching this episode that Rue was like, Emmy submission episode, guys. Let's do this. Yes. But the makeover episode is always the Emmy submission episode for them, probably. Because it's the best choice to do this. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very, um yeah, cockles of the heart, you know, heartwarming kind of yeah. an episode. But um the downside was that, they spent so much of the time on deliberations. There wasn't any of the getting to know you conversations while painting uh-huh. that we usually get that are yeah. so awesome. Um, uh-huh. And usually those are the heart of the makeover episodes. And we didn't have that here because they all already know each other. Um, yeah. So so I don't know that this is the best way to use them. But I like like maybe bringing them in for like a, a mini challenge would have worked. And then, like, separate or something. There wasn't enough there there in this episode for the runtime. It needed something else. And so adding a mini challenge or bringing the Judys in for the mini challenge and then in a different week and doing a different makeover, I don't know. I feel like there's some tweaking you could do to really get the maximum benefit of bringing in friends and family um, and also getting everything you can out of the makeover Stuff. So let's. I'll, I'll pivot back to you and see what you thought about that part. And then I also want to talk about the Judy Garland of it all. So let's start with that. The Judy Garland of it all? No, no. What did you think oh, okay. about how, like, using their their friends and family oh, okay. for the makeover, did it help or hurt the form? It didn't help, really. Um, it didn't really add anything, um, I think. It, it, mainly for the reasons that you already said. Like, it makes a lot of it really easy. I appreciated the Latrice and Tim moment in particular. Like, it was really, really great. And the stuff with Manila and her husband, his husband, Michael, was really great as well. Both of those moments, I think, are just really phenomenal. And the type of thing that you can't get, really, in a normal makeover episode for this show. But, like you said, like, losing out on the getting to know you about the negotiating of doing drag, which is a part of that, um, part of these challenges, is always, like, some of the best stuff um, that these episodes present. And then, because there's not enough, like, there, there, um, it results in, like, a very sort of 
it just results in a really kind of thin episode that is difficult to watch. Um, and it's difficult to watch on top of the fact that there's not a lot of like the standard makeover shenanigan type stuff. But then there's also just like the runway looks are just, just not great generally across the board um, for any number of reasons from the fact that, right. So you did like a vague family resemblance or we did couples costumes or we did a twinning, which is basically the best way to win these. Now Trinity's caught on to this is basically just, we're just going to twin it and we're going to, not win because it's not our week to have a narrative, but yeah. yeah, which is the only reason she wasn't in the top. Yeah, no, that's the only reason. Um, because everyone else is like fine to the most part, like Monet and Patty Cash, which is easily the best thing in this episode <laughs> is the name Patty Cash. It's literally the best thing in this episode because I cackled with the play on Petty Cash. Yeah, went, oh, so good, so good. <laughs> um, but over just like trinity 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 knows the gig here and so yeah i just don't think that there's enough i don't think that you get enough mileage out of the friends being there um when even if you do get two really great moments um across the 90 minutes Mm -hmm. that these episodes are now it's not quite enough i think so yeah I really liked Monet and Patty, though. I I liked the looks. Yeah. I liked the the performance. Um, I thought that like I for me they were the clear winners. And I like I've seen some people saying that they didn't see a resemblance. I saw such a resemblance in the makeup for them. And I also I think pretty much everybody had a good family resemblance. Like, what does a family resemblance mean? Because it shouldn't just mean be identical. That's boring. That's not interesting. It is boring, but it also, like, ends up, like, it's what works with the judges is the problem. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I mean, I think that there's a really good family resemblance part in the, in Naomi's thing with the Sunny and mm-hmm. Cher thing. I think is generally really good, and I actually liked how they played that. Mm-hmm. Um, though I'm also like, why are we doing a Sunny and Cher thing in a Judy Garland episode? But this gets to the other issue that we'll get to in just a second. <laughs> um, but then just like everything else ended up feeling like I said, like couples costumes. So like mm-hmm. the Manila um, and I, I, your wife um, felt good on like a top headpiece and makeup level. But yeah. then it was just a white sheet. Well, and the reason, if you watch Pineapple, uh, oh, what is Manila's YouTube series? Pineapple Couture is is her YouTube series where she like talks about her looks for each episode. Um, that was a very deliberate choice to be a very scalable outfit, depending yeah. on who she was partnered with, which is not something the other people did. Um, yeah. but it also then you got to do something more to it, like exactly. This is not your first, this is All-Stars, and this is All-Stars 4, and you have been crushing it on the runway most of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was just very disappointing. I, I liked uh, Monique's look, but I thought it was not the best executed version of that look. And I did not understand what was up with the, like, the wigs, like, why that wig choice? Yeah, no, I didn't know what was happening there. I, I liked the concept during the episode and then i kept thinking about it some more and going yeah no i don't like that i don't understand what's happening here 
Like, I get it's, like, the size of the face, but, like, and it's funny and it's cheesy and it's different. And I like that part of it, actually, yeah. quite a lot. But, um, but, but I just, I don't know. I feel like there's a better, it's a good idea, but I feel like they could be executed better, more interestingly. Sure. Yeah. And the Sunny and Cher thing was fine. Yeah. It was fine. It was just Naomi's turn to win. And we've been yes. rooting for Naomi. Um, so yeah. don't get me wrong. Big fan of, of Naomi. She's been crushing it all season and she's been underrepresented and served by the edit all season. Um, but the only reason she was in the top is because they needed her to have a win so that it's a fairer playing field. So she won't just immediately get sent home in the next episode. You know, like it was just more interesting for the narrative if she, you know, got a win. So that's why she yeah. did. I also... Everybody else seems to have loved her lip sync. I thought it was really entertaining, but I was all about Monet's face. You know, she was serving up Judy, and that was much more interesting for me. And, I mean, Naomi's was 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 good. It wasn't like it was off-tone or weird. It just was very, it was very a very different approach. And clearly, Rue was responding to it very well. Um, and that's who you have to win, uh, win over. But I actually really did like Monet's more restrained approach. What did, did you have any thoughts on the lip sync? Sure, and the lip sync like will nicely segue Pivot into the Judy Garland yeah. um, because Monet thought that this episode was about Judy Garland, and Monet yeah. was incorrect. <laughs> no, Monet decided to do not. Judy Garland, and that was a mistake mm-hmm. because this episode is not about Judy Garland. The episode. It's about getting Rue an Emmy. <laughs> it's about getting Rue an Emmy, and it constructs this concept of what Judy Garland still is, or Judy Gar- Garland's placement within the gay community to the extent that she has one still, depending on the age of the queen involved, um, and the age of the gay person involved. But it's basically just. You don't do anything with Judy Garland in this episode. And that's why Monet kind of loses because, no, this was not about Judy Garland, Monet, at all. Yeah. Didn't you? You don't get to see how they edit the shit out of your um, come on, get happy outfit slash whatever that song was to know that. Oh no, this was just some weird lip service and Rue just kind of overinflated the whole Judy Garland and uh Stonewall uh, thing a lot. Um Well that depends on who you ask, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um so it's just like that was just a like a tactical mistake, basically. Mm-hmm. Um and just uh, being able to have the audience watch the episode and go, Oh no! You 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 replaced all the Rue portraits with Judy portraits, but then even the runway looks didn't need to be about Judy Garland. It, like if they had just made the runway looks be about Judy Garland, that would have done uh-huh. so much. If they had just to yeah. let them know, because clearly they let them know what so many of these challenges are. The category is right yeah. ahead of time. Obviously, yep. they didn't all happen to just have another look. Like, they all know there's going to be a makeover challenge. They like yeah. So just tell them. That there's going to be a Judy Garland theme to the makeover challenge. So, you know, that lets them have some options. And that would have been such a great through line to really connect the episode. Like, I really don't understand why they didn't do that. It wouldn't have been that hard. They just needed to tell them ahead of time. 
Yeah. And then it would have been fine. But instead, it's just sort of family resemblance type thing again. After you've edited the fuck out of whatever weird Judy Garland dance thing that we don't get to see the rehearsals for. Yeah. Which is clearly indicative of the fact that it's bad. Well, Um, and also they don't care about it and it doesn't impact the results. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Like, Michelle constantly talking about that performance during the judging round. I'm just like, Michelle... This also did not matter. <laughs> Stop really mentioning like it. <laughs> the, there's, I don't see the family resemblance was just like the only thing they could say to s- explain why someone was going to be in the bottom. Yes. and they, yeah. if, Because they have been very kind all season. And I've mostly enjoyed that. But they also are not going to read any of these queens for filth when they don't deliver on the runway. And yeah. there are times when, you know, it is a little strange to to see this kindler gentler judging panel because um yeah that's not how they would be if these same some of these same looks walked a regular season yeah no so. absolutely i really liked what we did get about judy i would have liked more about judy i would have liked more about her struggles with depression and mental yep. health and addiction yep. like that would have yep. been really powerful there's so much they could have mined there and really examined uh, the meaning, like, why Judy Garland? Why is yeah. she such a powerful figure in the queer community and had has been for such a long time? I mean, they have to know what percentage of their audience are young white girls, which is a large chunk, let's be honest, a sizable chunk, um, it, or young people who don't know that history yet yes i was very surprised that several of the queens did at least said they didn't know about judy garland's funeral being like the day before stonewall Uh um and so clearly that's not a thing that is well known and there's so much more you could talk about with like these classic hollywood icons so just put, paying lip service. And so, like, I thought that that's the episode we were going to get. And that's the first half, half of the episode was. And the second half of the, half of the episode had none of that. And then all of a sudden, Manila goes home. It was a very disjointed episode. Yeah. So it wasn't great. Yeah. It wasn't and they, great. And they did nothing in the editing to prepare us for what was happening, which was a definite choice. They wanted to go for the shocker ending. Yes, um, they so, did. So we'll see what happens next week. But, yeah. Yeah. I have... Yeah, we'll see. I haven't had to, I haven't got to watch it yet. More on this next week. Quickly, Outlander finished up its season, and um, it was the finale was was fine. There was some interesting stuff. It's amazing how quickly they seem to have for- forgotten about or don't feel the need to mention. Yeah, Aunt Jocasta, who we all enjoy, still owns a bunch of slaves, guys. You're very comfortable staying at her, her at her uh, plantation at the end of the season compared to. How not comfortable you were at the beginning of the season, including the guy who was indentured for, you know, 10 years. Uh, so that's a big old problem for me. Um, but the bigger spotlight of shame problem, that's right, it's time for a return to the spotlight of shame was the complete just stunning and confusing and bewildering choice of the composer. And I assume actually really, I don't even want to put this on the composer. I want to put this on the producers. I feel like this had to have been a writer, producer, director choice. Cause I don't know a composer who would think this was a good choice to use Barber's adagio for strings to underscore a 
climactic, traumatic scene in the the penultimate episode of the season. Noel is bad. Is bad. There's a guy being tortured with fire, and so then the one of the heroes goes back and throws a keg of whiskey on it to make it explode, so he dies faster. And sure. then somebody like as you do puts down her baby and then walks onto the pyre to be with the the man she loves as he dies, burning to death. And they score all of this with a Daggio for strings. And um, for those who don't know. Da, 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 da. The song from Platoon, right? We've all heard it like a bajillion times. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of music. I've played it several times and I would love to play it anytime. But it's just so tired. It's been used so often. Um, and so to take a show that never, almost never, not never, but almost never, features this type of a uh, out of historical musical moment and to use one of the most tired orchestral or 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 um just even just sound clips you possibly can for that it just com- it took me completely out of it it was is bad usually the music on this show is very good and there's you know that is a bigger contrast but it's just smacks of someone who <laughs> like i can't i can't believe it was the composer's choice because it's just it's so overplayed. It's so overdone. And it robbed what could have been a powerful moment of all its power. Like they, they drop out the audio, they drop out all the sound and you just instead hear this and everything goes into like slow motion. It's the most, (sighs) it was really frustrating. And I also have heard this from people who are not musicians. So it's not just a Kate thing. (laughs) Do you have any thoughts on Barbara's Adagio for strings? Are you familiar with this piece, Noel? I'm probably familiar with it, but I'd have to, like, listen to it, listen to it. When people hum or do, like, what you did with that, yeah. it sometimes doesn't click into my head mm-hmm. what it is. So I'll have – I'm going to have to, like, listen to it later. Yeah, yeah it's 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 the Jesus moment in Platoon. Um, oh, yeah, vaguely recalling it now. Um, but yeah. everything that you're describing just makes it sound like a bad idea yeah. all the way down. So. Yeah. All the way down. Yeah. So, spotlight yeah. of shame to Outlander for that decision. Come on, guys. Do better. <sighs> Let's move on to Arrow, which had its 150th sorry, episode, Emerald Archer. And they celebrated this time, not with a crossover, but with the, the filming of a documentary. And that was an excuse to find some B-roll of characters who are dead. So you could bring them back, bring the actors back, which was fun. And some of which made sense, and some of which really didn't. Sarah Lance, why is she there? That didn't make any sense. They, the documentarians, don't know who she is. Um, they how did they? How did they even get her? <laughs> yeah, doesn't make any sense. It makes negative sense. Um, it's they needed. Like I think there was the, some bones of good idea here, and I think some of it was really uh, impactful and worked really well. But other parts of it was just head scratching. Um, so it was a mixed bag for me. Now you, I've been watching, but you tuned back yeah. in just for this episode. What now? Did yes. you think because it was 150th, or because of the documentary thing, or why did you tune back in? Just for the mainly the documentary thing, I was like, "Oh, this sounds like this sounds like it could be interesting." And like, I like the idea of Arrow in season seven, 150 episodes in, going, "Let's experiment with our format a little bit. Let's 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 mix it up. Let's mm-hmm. let's do something different." And lo and behold, Arrow does is incapable of doing anything different. Um, and like 
kept dropping away from mm-hmm. the documentary frame when it they needed to. And which was for a good chunk of the episode. Yeah. Um, and it was really annoying. Like, I was just like, I really like this concept. I like the idea that this director couldn't get funding to finish this movie mm-hmm. until they deputized Oliver as a way to finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just really weird that this was uh, something that they dropped. But also, like you said, some of the talking head sections are just kind of weird. Like, I like the fact that Bex Taylor class came back for sin. I like yeah. that Paul Blackthorne came back to do a, a couple of quick segments as Quentin from mm-hmm. archival footage. I liked that concept. What I don't understand is why we talked to Barry Allen from the CCPD. <laughs> makes no sense. Uh, it makes zero sense. And as much as I like seeing goofy, awkward Barry again, because that's a Barry that doesn't exist on the Flash anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, why are we talking to him? Do the directors know something that we don't? Yeah. Um, or like, shouldn't you be talking to Iris or Joe West to talk about vigilantism in the CCPD? I don't yeah. understand what we're doing here, and I don't understand why we're talking to Barry. But I yeah. like it. I just don't understand it. And that was basically my response to this episode was, I, I sort of like the concept, but because they're not willing to commit to it, and because as much as I really want to appreciate the fact that Oliver did a press conference in his <laughs> Green Arrow outfit, <laughs> which is just the weirdest, easily one of the weirdest things this show has done ever um i just i didn't understand why they couldn't commit to it especially when we get the reveal of that this is being watched in the future um in like 2040 whenever star city has been under siege um yeah it's just yeah so i was really disappointed in it overall um despite not having watched anything in episodes i didn't feel particularly lost since they're generally very good at internal recapping um, but I was like, type of thing about it. So <laughs> the only really good thing I can say about them ditching the documentary frame for the most of the episode was, well, at least they didn't have to pay Kelsey Grammer a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Right? Why? Of all the people. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I liked like you said, the return of Terrible Liarberry, especially this week because he had to, he did a really convincing lie, like fake, pretend to be a, a like a go undercover a kind of thing. A soldier mercenary based on the promos? And I just yeah. went, no one's going to buy that sweet puppy-faced boy as a mercenary. <laughs> so so I, I appreciated this flavor of Barry. But you're right, it doesn't make any sense and they don't really spend any time trying to make it make sense. I also was very aware of all the name dropping they were doing in front of the documentary crew, which- Yes, like, so like, much. And this is something about like Cisco this. I'm like, that's not a common name, guys. It's not yeah. going to be hard for them to figure out who that is. Um, y- y'all need to be much more concerned about this. Even if it, if you can like edit footage out, these are still lots of people who are now very aware that you are part of a massive, like multi-state, multi-city, like clan, multi-universe, multi-earth. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the the crossover and like the hundredth episode that they did, which was the dream episode, I think was more successful. 
um, mm-hmm. as a celebratory episode. But I mean, I still appreciated the nods. I like. I mean, it just was lovely to see Paul Buckler back and some of the, and again some of these smaller characters that we haven't seen in a while. I really like getting mentioned and, and having them pop up too. Um, even though it didn't make any sense, why no. are they being interviewed? What do these documentarians know? Like, yeah. yeah. But um, you know, I think I think in season seven you're gonna most of the time just like give it to them and that's sort of how i felt about this episode um even if there's plenty i don't disagree with anything you said <laughs> there's so many things that don't make sense and that are easy to to um to, to to have it really bother you and like ruin your enjoyment of the episode but if you are able to go with it i think it was a fun episode and i've certainly seen worse 150th episodes so yeah, sure. that's sort of where I'm at with it. Uh, our last episode of the week is "I Am the Night," and we didn't talk about the first episode, but this is we're two parts into the six part miniseries. This is the Patty Jenkins Chris Pine uh, period piece that we were so excited about. What are you thinking so far? Um, so what I'm thinking so far is that Chris Pine is a treasure, and mm-hmm. he may be the new best Chris. I don't know. <gasps> yeah, I know. Like it's it's, it's really weird. It's super close now because I think Chris Evans on like just sort of a general performance level is a lot better than best Chris Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. But best Chris Chris Evans is just ha- hasn't had the opportunity to do a lot of stuff because Marvel is like owns him until they kill him through, off this summer. Let's be honest. Until until May they own him. <laughs> um, so um, he hasn't had the ability to like really kind of stretch out and do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, which Pine has had the ability to do because Paramount has just given up on the Star Trek film franchise. Well, um, and because he doesn't need to look like a superhero, he keeps playing. Right. He keeps being in superhero movies, but he doesn't have to be so swole that you can't. Right. Like, cause that's the exactly. thing. I've seen Chris Evans in some other things and he's very good, but he's also supposed to be like some regular Joe dad with like a tricep the size of my head, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, and that's definitely part of it. So, it's like watching Chris Pine destroy a telephone booth. Um, or ask a kid, do you want to get froggy with this? Well, pick a lily pad. And it's just like, that line of dialogue should not should work. Should <laughs> But it did. And, and it, and it, but it did. It did. Um, so, the Chris Pine of it all is wonderful. And I really, really enjoy it. And just like... I feel like Jenkins kind of understand understood how to use him in Wonder Woman. She understands how to use him really well here as well. Um, it also helps that he's also an executive producer on this, so that also I imagine helps a lot. Um, playing um, Fauna slash um, Patty, I think um, is Adina Isley, and I think she's very good in this as well. But. It, her character represents the larger problem with the tonal energy issue that I'm having two episodes into this is that everyone else is in this kind of weird bonkers film noir, um, neo noir sort of setting. And she is not, she's just wandered into this and it comes into really stark contrast in the second episode when Connie Nielsen is just vamping the shit out of every scene. Lots of W's. Yeah. It's just so many, so many um so there's this weird energy tonal type thing that the show can't reconcile yet between wanting to do this sort of inherent vice but slightly more serious 
And then this um, social sort of exploration of what it means to be biracial in the mid-1960s and how that gets conflated into this weird sort of scene of regarding George Hodel and his potential role as being involved in the Black Dahlia slangs, which is what all this is leading up to. And it's really difficult to navigate some of the tonal stuff, especially, again, within the second episode. So... I'm still going to finish this, but I'm also waiting for things to kind of click into place tonally and energy-wise because they're in a weird juxtaposition that I'm not sure if it's on purpose from a, well, I'm from the country and I don't know anything about the city and the city's just really f***ing weird, or it's competing tones and desires for storylines getting in the way of each other, which is what I'm leaning towards, but we'll see by the end. And it's only six episodes. So how are you feeling about this? I you know, I think you're spot on. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, and Pine is terrific. And the direction and the shots and the cinematography and everything is really interesting. Like, I'm noticing things like that I would never notice. And I'm really invested and interested in that central character. Like, for example, seeing him in like 60s suit, but running shoes. And thinking, yes. and it's so glaring, and it's so nerdy. It's not cool the way that it will become cool. It doesn't, yeah. He doesn't give off a cool energy. And I'm like, that is basically the Tenth Doctor's thing. It's just like he's the Tenth Doctor is supposed to be really cool, and he is. But like his pants are just a little too short for mm-hmm. the you know like there's all these little things like he's clearly an ill-fitting suit and like they're those are not nice sneakers they're sneakers so that he can chase after or run away from see like it's very you know utilitarian um and there's all these kinds of details there's a texture to the show that i really enjoy um but I, I you know i hadn't put my finger on it but when you said that ba- fauna basically or patty is just in a different tone in a different show yeah she's not quite doing the the innocent who's about to get destroyed yes. in the same way. And I think that what she's doing is more interesting. Yeah. But it doesn't like there's a it doesn't clash enough to feel like a choice. Yet it it just doesn't quite fit. Um and it, it almost feels like the show is hoping you don't notice that. Yeah. Um so so It'll be interesting to see if they steer into that and that becomes a larger central theme or a part of the storytelling, you know, the, the way they're they're structuring the storytelling, or if that will change as we find out more. Um, but I think the performances are terrific. The Like, the whole ensemble cast is really, really very good. Because yeah. uh, Patty Jenkins goes, hey, want to work with me? And they're like, yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> All of them, yes. Um, and so that's working really well. I, like, the... the when when Chris Pine's character is uh, at the 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 brothel or whatever, I think those those scenes so, work so yeah. well, and there's no reason for them to be that compelling, but they are. Um, yeah, that's because everybody's really good. <laughs> so that's sort of where I'm at. I'm definitely going to watch the rest of it, but it's not the appointment t- watching or like kind of stunner of a miniseries I was hoping it might be, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of more interesting than that. Uh. It's not as glossy, you know? Right. And I think that's sort of like the thing, like I saw the ringers write up about this. I didn't, I only skimmed it. The ringers write up was basically just like, this is the end of the movie star TV vehicle. And I just went, first of all, you're drastically misreading Chris Pine's star image 
a little bit here because a he's done a fair number. This guy did Angie Tribeca for multiple episodes. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. How this did we forget not- him for cameo? Really? Yeah. Last no, year. we we did a bad job. We did a bad job, Kate. Um. <laughs> So you're misreading his star image here, but the other thing is is just what you said. This show's a lot more textured. Like, it's actively pushing against this idea of Pine having a star image. And that's why, to the degree that it works, it works, is because you're pushing back against that. Whereas something like Big Little Lies or Sharp Objects is going in on this idea of a star text in various capacities, whether it's not, it's Amy Adams' ability to basically do anything, or it's, we collected all these really great famous people to do exactly what they do best with Reese Witherspoon, et cetera, et cetera, and Big Little Eyes. And that's, that's a legitimate, those are star vehicles. This feels less like a star vehicle and more of a textured, like you said, performance but also different sort of piece for chris pine and he's been making those choices in his films as well like there was no reason for him to do wrinkle in time but he did it and he wanted to work with ava duvernay yeah he wanted to work with ava duvernay and she wanted to work with him (laughs) and there's a reason why and there's there's that kind of good freedom of choice that he has the ability to do and I think that that's what that's one of the reasons why the stuff that he's doing as Jay Singletary works as well as it does is like there's a lack of acknowledgement about who he's supposed to be air quotes around this concept of Chris Pine. And so that's why the A the Ringer's article is A historical and lacked any references to his other TV work, but B it's why the show generally works because it's not about him even though he's the central performance. Yeah. How many people do you think actually know that Chris Pine has done other TV? Because I feel like there's like three of us. Yeah, no. Well, that's the thing. I was talking with Caitlin Thomas about this over at uh, tvguide.com. And she's just like, yeah, no one knows he's done any TV. And I'm just like, he's done so much TV. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Um, Okay. Well, what wins your week in TV? Um... As much as I enjoyed Chris Pine's performance, um, it's definitely Crazy Ex-Girlfriend um, this week. And what about you? Well, I want to give a little love to Black Lightning, Book of Secrets, Chapter mm-hmm. 2, Justin Unjust, um, and, and really just this last couple episodes. Uh, they did something I didn't think that they would have the guts to do, and I'm not going to say more in case you catch up. So uh, I'm going to try perhaps. so hard to catch up. <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited about where they may be headed, so we'll mm-hmm. see, especially with thunder's new love and well not but grace the love interest for um yeah and what like it looks like they aren't forgetting about some things with her so we'll see what happens but um but no it's definitely crazy ex-girlfriend yeah Mm-hmm. I, I need a break. We don't need a break from you, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, because we love you. Um, even though, even you know, sometimes we do. <laughs> you, yeah. Even what you love the best, sometimes you need a break. Um, and so we will take a break. Look at what I did there, and <laughs> listen to a trailer for the ABC Murders, and come back with our spotlight section on Sarah Phelps' latest Agatha Christie adaptation, um, the John Malkovich starring Amazon Prime ABC Murders. We'll be right back after this. Are we going to have a murder? 
That was the trailer for Amazon Prime's uh, The ABC Murders. Now, uh, this is the latest uh, adaptation of Agatha Christie's work. She, uh, from Sarah Phelps, she did And Then There Were None. She did Ordeal by Innocence. And then now this one. Uh, are there any other ones? No, those are, the, those are, counting this one, those are the three Christie adaptations that she's done. And those, like, that's my order of preference, too. Yes. Yes. For sure. And- I think it's hard to tell for me because I'm not familiar with Ordeal by Innocence at all. So right. that that may have influenced how I felt about that one. For, I'm very familiar with both all I read all the books when I was a kid and watched all the David Suchet's. Um, and so that, I'm sure, is shaping how I feel about this one. Um, but I, like, I'm sort of at a loss with this one because there are some really interesting things they're exploring and there's some very – um, worthwhile, worthy, interesting discussions that they want to have. It's just completely at a loss for me why they felt that they should do that via the ABC murders, uh, because there's very little of the sense of Agatha Christie in this and Hercule Poirot, the specifics. I keep saying that's how I don't know how to say his name, right, guys? I'm just going to go with that. Um, and, um, and then to write out several of the other characters, to change the setting, to really change everything about the world of this, of these books and these, this beloved character so that you can explore something else. I mean, I'm all for exploring this something else, but just make an original story sort of how I felt about it. What did you think? Absolutely the same. Um, there is very little in this that feels like Paro. Um, and we can talk about Malkovich's performance later. Um, but even from a writing conception point, um, he doesn't even say little gray cells, Kate. Yeah. Um, like how am I supposed to know who he is by anything that this show presents to me from literally the only thing that really says, oh, by the way, 
it's that guy is the fact that he colors his beard. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Um, well, like the, that's during the parties for the rich ladies. That does feel like the kind of thing that, yes. that he would do. Yes. But that's not what this is. That's not what this is. No. <laughs> um, and that's, and I get the choice of like doing this idea of a Poirot that is washed out, disgraced, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And there's something interesting to play with that, but this is not the avenue for that. And it ends up very much feeling like you could have literally done any washed up detective that mm-hmm. and plop them into this setting, into this uh, rejiggered um, setting from the book and explored this idea of aliens and xenophobia in England in the 1930s to make a comment about Brexit mm-hmm. um, and done that with literally anyone, but you decided to do it with an established IP and then just chuck out everything about the IP. Yeah. It's, what are we doing here? It's so strange. And, and it was very, very distracting for me because this whole time I'm trying to sit there and be like, okay, when are they going to tell us why he's disgraced? Like what happened? And they never do. No, and I, they and don't. like, and it's really frustrating because as I'm watching this, it's like you want me to buy into this hugely beloved detective, this fictional character, having been the character we all remember. And then yes. something happened and now we're here and you want us to tie this back to a fictional, like a made up backstory that doesn't even make any sense. And you just expect us to skip over the instigating factor in his decline. Yes. But man, the entire time I was thinking about the backstory, which is made up whole cloth for this series. And um, stupid. I kept thinking it's stupid, but I also kept thinking that Suchet would have loved it as some as he really yeah. pressed them to enhance Poirot's mm-hmm. Catholicism in the ITV series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine that he would have loved this, mm-hmm. um, but. It generally doesn't do much for me here. Um, and like you said, like the inciting incidents for his fall from grace is given nothing. Um, yeah. And it's doubly frustrating when not only did it bring him down, but it brought Jap down. And then they killed Jap. Yeah. <laughs> to really yeah. isolate him even more. Yeah. And Hey, Hastings, just, I, we don't even know if Hastings exists in this world. Right. No, Hastings, Hastings probably just gave up. Not to um, mention poor Mrs. Marbury. Mrs. Marbury and just everyone. And there's not even Agatha Christie surrogate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just really frustrating to see them and pick a, such a good story as well. Like, mm-hmm. ABC Murders is a really solid piece. And it is admittedly a good piece to do for the kind of story that Phelps is interested in telling about stirring up a nationwide issue. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that very few of the Poirot stories really grab onto, since most of them are out of the country while Poirot's trying to retire and grow turnips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was just kind of like, yeah, it was just really frustrating. And it was like, I wanted to like the approaches and the concepts that they were mm-hmm. wanting to lay out and explore, but then they didn't do anything to use these characters that are, like you said, incredibly, not incredibly known anymore, mm-hmm. but beloved by those that know them to find something to say. 
And I don't think that there's much successful to say beyond, no, we should really be a lot nicer to uh, immigrants, guys, because they help us solve murders. Uh, (laughs) And the real bad guys are the rich people. Yeah. Yes. But not all of them, because some of them are very nice. Yeah. And, and love and their very, wives. And very, very sick. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it, I, other than uh, obviously anti being anti xenophobic and anti um, Brexit and anti hatred of outsiders, I don't know what this story is pro. Yeah. Like I don't know what it wants to be. And there's some there's some very good performances, but there's also nowhere near enough characters for me to be invested or interested in. There's too many one-dimensional characters and the there were not as many performances as I really connected to as I as I expected and would have liked even from actors that I usually really enjoy. A big yeah. exception to that though is I think Rupert Grint is very good in this. He's phenomenal in this. Like, <laughs> I would not have predicted this pivot, you know, but like, no. I totally was all on board with him. I was talking about this with my person when he came on and we were just like, Rupert, buddy, you didn't age well. <laughs> well, and he's he very lo- intentionally looking like shit. He, right. He's looked much better in other things. Yeah. And so it was one of those things where he's really good as Chrome here or Chrome. And... Mm. He deserves a much better adaptation than what he receives here. Um, because th- him being frustrated by Poirot would have made for a much more entertaining series than a, oh, well, I guess I have to circle around to liking you for because we don't know what to do. Because um, narrative. <laughs> because narrative, which is what happens, is like it's narrative that we need to just kind of like defer to you now. Um, and. But I just kept thinking, oh, but if you kept Jap, and he was just kind of frustrated with Jap and with Poirot, but came to realize, but was still kind of annoyed by him and just et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It was just went, oh, that would have been so much better. It would have <laughs> been great because he's really, really good at this. He really walks away with the show when he's in any scene. And he's mm-hmm. just stealing scenes from Malkovich left and right. And let's like, that's no mean feat. Hmm. Well, it isn't, except when Malkovich is as checked out as he is here. <laughs> yeah, some of it. Some of it I think he's yeah. he's really engaged, but some of it he's not. Well, and I think this boils down to the fact that I from the script he doesn't he doesn't have a perspective beyond you're sad, John. You're you're isolated, John. And you know, maybe try the Belgian accent if you feel like it. Um <laughs> Because his accent is literally all over the map. And half the time I kept, he wandered into the accent that he used for his Eastern European Russian poker player and rounder sometimes. And I just went, I don't understand what's happening here, John. Um, But like you said, there are occasional times where he's allowed to do that. He finds something. But it's only when the script allows him to find something is the larger problem. When you actually get to play a little bit of, like, Perot's prickliness, he gets really good. But that is so few and far in between across these three hours that it just doesn't feel like anything. It doesn't feel like enough. And when you cut out everything else that kind of defines this character... It's really difficult to see him as Poirot. It's literally, for me, I just went, Branagh did a better job at this. And I didn't like that performance very much, apart from that just glorious over-the-top mustache. But 
this I again, it's all coming from this place of wanting a fallen paro, but again, fallen from what? And you don't have any interiority to this that helps to sell his isolation. I wanted to like this so much more than I did. And yeah. and it just really kind of is, a, I think, going to be my go-to for a while of an example of a show or a take, an adaptation on something that feels like it's trying to just shortcut its way to depth by being yes. dark yes. and being grimy. And there's... Yes. It's it's not I don't feel like it's saying much of anything. It's like, okay, yes. we get it. And yes. and what else do you have to say? Because this is the I mean, I think you could look at something like this versus like Jane the Virgin and this idea that, oh, happy storylines or like cheerful, positive, kind characters are boring, you know? It's like, no, they're anybody on Jane is much more interesting than anybody here. Uh-huh. Anyone. And you don't like Everyone being nasty and grimy and broken and all of these things does not just immediately engender depth and meaning and uh, and, and value to a story or to a property. And, um, yeah, I just – it's a shame because I really do like the other ones, the other adaptations. Yeah, I do too. And what you're saying actually gets to kind of like the last thing that I kind of wanted to bring up with you, which is – the last scene in the entire thing mm-hmm. um, with Franklin and Perot having breakfast. And it was a really weird sort of sequence. And Andrew uh, Buckhan, who's generally really good, I think, um, kind of suffers from being really arch here at times, particularly in this last scene. Um, but I kept feeling like there was this weird meta-ness about that whole speech of, I restored you. Yeah. I, I, I made you better. And I I brought you back, basically. And it's like, I feel like Phelps is writing this saying like, yeah, no, we all made fun of Brenna. And you've also been really kind of dusty gathering dust because we haven't really been adapting you um, any. But I'm going to make you better by doing this. I'm going to bring make you relevant again by doing this grim darkness type of borderline true detective skin over a Poirot storyline, which is now that I'm like talking through it with you is what I feel like they decided to do. It's very lurid. It's less poor, but lurid. Right. And in a way that even like goes beyond some of the, like the luridness that could become prevalent in some of the later Suchet stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But not as like aggressively, I think here, Mm -hmm. because it hadn't become, it hadn't become normal yet it hadn't been normal for television adaptations to be like this yeah so and i i feel like there's that part of it feels weirdly meta and i can't decide how much of that is intentional or phelps just like unconsciously subconsciously worked this yeah. in of like i made i, I made ha- i figured out a way to make him relevant and it's to make him grim dark and grimy and it's like that that is not the answer no that, that is not the answer sarah um so yeah but well, at a least for, ordeal by innocence was fun, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And 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 this, I like that. I actually, I do actively like that she's going for something so different, tonally and visually here, uh-huh. um, as opposed to like uh, the glossiness of of that one of ordeal uh-huh. by innocence and um, lots of just very pretty people 
being yeah. really f- entertaining, you know? This is not that. Aggressively not that. Um, but yeah, I think I think you can capture why people enjoy murder mysteries yeah. without sacrificing your themes you want to explore. Yeah. And uh, you don't need to... You don't need to sacrifice why we all read these detective stories in order to get depth and meaning yeah. and substance. So, yeah, it's disappointing. I I finished the first one. I was like, oh, no, I already watched all of these. And uh, <laughs> I will now have to watch the rest. I probably would have anyways eventually. But, like, this is my yeah. completionism. But, yeah. I hope that I'm going to watch the next one. I hope for better. I mean, maybe I'll wait and read the reviews first. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to wait and read reviews first. Even though the reviews for this were sort of um, generally sort of positive, mm-hmm. um, which startled me a little bit because um, mm-hmm. I was just like, I think we all saw different shows. <laughs> it's um, very possible. But we often feel that way on the podcast. <laughs> we do. We do yeah. indeed. Yeah. Well, at least we had good times with Rupert Grint and we can look forward to Dan Radcliffe on Miracle Workers coming up here. Is that next yes. week or the week after? That's when that drops. Uh, so next that. week. Next week. 212. Yeah, indeed. Well, yeah. thank you for the conversation. Thank you. And Kate, I just, I'm, I, I never want to become a rival track person. <laughs> it's it's okay I, I, I'm not too worried about it we're in America okay. we don't really have them well we used to yeah used to. Anyway. on that cheery note appropriately dour uh, let's go to a few show notes here you can find a post of this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the ABC murders and this uh, Malkovich Poirot and everything. You can also email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there, or you can find us stream, uh, streaming on Stitcher. We, we can give us the rating review, or you can find us over at iTunes uh, with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews there as well. And we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse. Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you so much, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.